That was beautiful. Thank you. I'm laughing because this table gets further and further over here because they're watching me with my, with my hands. I know you guys are worried about this. Oh. How are your groups? Hallelujah. I knew they were good. You know how? Everybody was late. So some of you didn't get to see my great-grandbaby, which I had in worship. Listen, women of God. We do what we have to do. We are the miracle. Because we multitask, right? You do what you have to do. You get a phone call from your daughter. What do you do? You help them. And so one of the, the beauties of being, beauty of being a woman is that we are able to multitask. But what is the beauty of this lesson is are you a taker or are you a giver? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this lesson today. It's a powerful lesson of breaking the bread in the natural and acknowledging and recognizing that you, Lord Jesus Christ, are the one who was broken for us. The one who bled for us on the cross. The one who came as the bread from heaven, as our manna, and transformed us from the kingdom of darkness into light. And to that, Lord Jesus Christ, we say thank you. And to you be the glory for this day. Amen. I want to just share with you quickly that uh, this Saturday we have an opportunity for you to actually engage in this lesson. And it is the winter festival right in our neighborhood, right in this place. And you, those that are watching by streaming, I want you to take this opportunity, an opportunity in your neighborhoods or in your hometowns, and do something for someone else. In this case, these are for children. It's at the Miriam Brown Center for Less Fortunate Children from 1 to 3 this Saturday. We are going to um, reach out to these children and do all kinds of things like they'll have a jump castle and they'll have uh, cooking. Uh, cooking? Uh-oh, I definitely don't want to go then <laughs> if I have to cook. Well, it says cooking and feeding a hot dog lunch. Um, I want to encourage you to live this lesson. Maybe the hungry person is in your home. Maybe it's a neighbor that needs a casserole that is sick. You know, as we look at feeding the multitudes, we need to recognize that we not only need to give physical food, we need to give spiritual, not only spiritual food, but physical food. So I want to just, I hope you'll partake of that opportunity. One opportunity I saw in the newspaper today really touched me this morning. It's called New Beach Wheels. And anybody see this this morning in the Charleston paper? And, and what it's about is little children that can't get to the beach. And so they have these wonderful little bicycles, wheels, they call them, that allow the children to go in the beach, get all oh, just made so tender, and go into the beach and, and play in the sand. You see, to me, this is a miracle, that people would actually give and donate these little chairs for the children. We don't want to be in a box as we look at this lesson. We want to think in a holistic way. We want to look at the opportunities that God gives us to give our bread away. That we, indeed, might be the hands and feet of Christ. That we would be broken bread and poured out wine. Sometimes we look at it in these mass things when we look at the multiplication of food and we think, oh, but let's just bring it into the micro. Let's look in your own homes, in your backyard. Because sometimes we're so spiritual, we're no earthly good, right? We need to look beyond that. I ask you a question again. Are you a taker or a giver? At one level, 
all of us women are givers. We just give and give and give. Like I said this morning, the reason I had the baby here is because last minute they needed help. And I thought, well, what good am I if I stand up here and teach and, and have it all together if I'm not in the trenches and helping her? So I'm feeling kind of good this morning. I'm a giver. And the Lord said, you remember when you went to the grocery store and the, the, the roast was buy one, get one free? What did you do with the second one? went in my second freezer. You all, we have an opportunity set before us to feed the hungry, to feed the thirsty. We have an opportunity in this, in the, in the impact that we have in a community that is well off. And those of you who are streaming, I don't know where you are across the nation, but you have an opportunity too, to give back of what you have, to share your bread with others. That's what this is about. Are you a taker or a giver? And I just have to tell you, I have a dream, and my dream is a dream. Sounds like Martin Luther King, who's really my, like, total idol. I have a dream that this ministry would feed the poor and the hungry on the streets of this city and this nation. Thank you. Hallelujah. In fact, Carrie, stand up. I'm going to um, make her blush, but she is someone who has actually got a, a website, uh, Helping Hearts, Tri-County Helping Hearts. And so she's always posting ways to help, ways to help, ways to help. And mama, her mama, stand up. Caroline is the one that is in charge of the Miriam Brown Center or helping up there. These are just two examples, and we just want to applaud you. We need, she needs volunteers. She will be back at the table for the Saturday event to help these little children. Caroline will, so she'll be right back there. Are you a giver or are you a taker? We have opportunities every day in our midst. And so I have a dream that this ministry, we have 2,000 people on our database, and we would have triple that had, had the database not been purged years ago. We have an influence and a pact impact in this ministry across the nation. We can do this thing, but I cannot do it alone. And so I am asking and making a plea that from this day, I don't think Frenchie's here, she's head of our missions. How many of you even realize that we have within this ministry, under the umbrella, missions? Where we give physically and spiritually to the poor and the needy. Where we help them, we want to expand that. We want to give them the gospel, and we want to give them food. Because if people are hungry, they're not going to hear the word, right? And so I would commend you and ask you not only to sign up for this event on Saturday, but write a note. I want to be on the team that you're dreaming about, Joanne. Write me a note on that. Flip the page. Because this is the time for us to reach out. Every week... We have walked alongside Jesus and observed his interactions with people, the healings, the deliverances, the compassion, and each God encounter has done what? What have we talked about each week? Move the needle. Each encounter with God, the people were transformed. And as we get into the lesson ourselves, each encounter by the well, the official son, this day, sitting on the hillside, feeding the 5,000, each encounter with God, the people were transformed. And so are we as we enter into the, as, into the story. I want you to take a look at this, next, at this first slide. My husband and I went 
to um, downtown Charleston and sort of scouted out. He's an amateur photographer, and he wanted to find some pictures just of unique and different things. And this is one of the things that we found, and it's a home in, in the city. And you can see the trees, the tree with the leaves that are fairly dry. And do you notice, um, I don't think I brought it up here with me, let's see. Do you notice right up here in this corner, do you see something? It's a window that had been covered up, cemented or stuccoed or what have you over the, over the years. You see there's no view out of the window right here. But you can barely see it emerging right here next to the trees. And I have to tell you, you can leave it up for a moment because a picture is worth a thousand words. As I looked at this picture, I had the picture of the church and the body. And the church and the body of Christ who are looking for encounters with God, maybe some don't even know it, certainly the woman at the well didn't know it, who are you? You're the Messiah? And their souls, perhaps our souls today, are closed up. The windows of our souls, for example, look like the window in this picture. They're blocked over. They cannot see. Their spiritual sight are blinded. Maybe their physical um, ears are blinded. But the picture of the, of the uh, trees hit me as well. And I want to read to you from Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the wicked of the council, nor stands in the ways of sinners. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Who is the water? Jesus said, I am the living water to the woman at the well. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. You all, the church today is the world today, is looking for a body of people that have planted themselves beside the living water, that are partaking of the stream of living water, that are beginning to come alive where the leaves do not wither, whether it's in drought, in season or out of season, that these people are so supplanted and planted by the streams that they bear fruit in season and out and their leaves are always green. Blessed be the man who is planted by the streams of water, whose tree of life bears fruit for others to see, whose windows of the soul are open that they may see what God sees and hear what God sees. You can take that down. You see, I say that because each encounter that we see in John, my biggest concern in teaching this is these broad strokes that we take as we race through John. Another good deed done. Another cool thing happened. The eyes were opened. The lady by the pool, the man at Bethesda was healed. And we race on to the next. You all, each encounter is life-changing. It is meant to be um, a, a game changer for you in your homes and your lives and your workplaces. Each encounter by the living water should give you your green leaf life and make your tree grow stronger and the windows to your soul open to the spirit. Each encounter has a purpose. These aren't just miraculous stories. These are transforming words from the living word. What do you do when you recognize that you cannot control a situation? You do not have the resources you need. You're in a financial crisis, a relationship crisis, a health crisis. You're depressed. You're not equipped for a situation. You're empty. You have nothing left to give. I was with a woman this week. 
She is literally a modern-day Job. Her situation seems so hopeless. Every family member is sick. There's so much going on. It is amazing. And she came, and she sat down, and I, I looked at her. She looked very tired. I said, how you doing? She said, well, I have all these people pulling on me. And I very boldly asked her, are you planted by the living water? Now, I know that she thought, that's kind of rude. I mean, I know Jesus. Of course I am. And she looked at me. I said, I'm going to ask you again. Are you planted by the streams of living water? Because if you're not, what you're giving those people in the natural, what you're giving to them is something that is powerless. What you're giving them is just leftover manna that is stale. But if you are planted by the living water, if you are standing there, then in season and out of season, whoosh, the living water and out. Whoosh, the living water. I said, do you want to give those folks, those people that need you, do you want to give them stale bread or do you want to give them organic, fresh, whole wheat, lively bread? Do you want to give them stale water or do you want to lead them beside the still waters of Jesus? And the only way you can do it is you need to have your spiritual tank filled. Because if you want the window of your soul that that picture shows you, if you want it open, if you want to hear God's voice and see him, then you, sister, need to get on your face before the Lord and get filled up. It was a hard word. But I'm going to tell you something. She thanked me afterwards. My question to you today is, are you planted by the living water? Because each encounter, each miraculous story that we read and healing is supposed to push us closer to the living water. That's Jesus. These are complex issues. Out of control, don't have the resources you need, depressed. This week, alongside the other sea of the Sea of Galilee at the Sea of Tiberias, in the countryside, we will meet the one who is more than enough. His name is Jesus, who calls himself the sustenance, the El Shaddai, the bread of life. He is the broken bread in the multitude of the five thousands. You know, let's face it, life's complex. It's really complex now. It's distressing. Most of us are in situations we can't control. And as we begin to look at the 5,000 people, we are the 5,000 people. You know, I was thinking uh, a little bit about that empty story I was just telling you about the, young, the woman that was so empty and these encounters bringing us to the living water. And I remember years ago, and I've told you this story, some of you have been in my classes before, but it bears repeating, that I was actually out in the middle of nowhere. So call it, if you will, your wilderness. I was out in the middle of nowhere, and I was coming back from giving, uh, doing a conference, and it was dark, and it was late, and guess what? I was lost. And so I'm wandering around, and I feel my tire going like this, and my heart's fluttering because I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to do? It's dark. I think I'm having a flat tire, etc. Well, I managed to ride on it for many, many miles until I found a gas station and the man helped me. And the first thing he said to me is, ma'am, why did you wait so long? Not only have you damaged the tire more, but you've now damaged the rim of the tire and the cost to you is double. Are you running on the rim of your tire? Are you planted by the stream of living water? Or is this just a great Bible study and you read these stories and on you go? Are you sitting in those stories, walking with Jesus, living with Jesus, allowing him to flow his living water into the dark and distressing places of your life? Let's face it, life is stressful. 
particularly right now. Now, I want to fill in the gaps for you as I'm trying to do every week because we're just focused on, on the one story, the feeding of the 5,000. But I want to be sure you have a nice, sturdy background so you can see exactly where we are and where we're going, etc. And so when you go back and look in um, the John chapter 5, and we'll look at the healing at the pool uh, in just a second as a way of looking back at it again. But what I see in this is pretty profound. Because after Jesus has done this great miraculous thing, this is back to the healing at the pool, he says something that should take us into every single lesson, and we need to remember this. He says these words. They're, they're all just like flustered. Who are you? What are you? They say you're the Messiah. We don't believe you. We think you're a false prophet. Maybe you're real. Maybe you're just a good storyteller. Maybe you're a magician. You can't imagine the things that people were thinking. Now, each time they are supposed to be moving closer in these encounters to believing who he is. So we see Jesus who's trying to answer these things. And the scriptures teach us, say this in 5.18. This was why the Jews were seeking him all the more to kill him. Because he said he was the son of God. They were so ticked off that he was calling himself the son of God. And then Jesus boldly declares this. He says, listen, truly, truly. Every time you see two words in a Bible, it means listen up, listen up. It means I really mean this. I'm saying it twice. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son does nothing on his own. Everything I do, every woman that I meet at the, at the, in Samaria, well, there was only one that I know of, every person that I hold, every miracle I perform, it is because I spent time with my Abba Daddy on the mountaintop. By the living water. This is the problem with the church today. Because the world is telling us, stay busy, not fruitful. Keep the hamster wheel going. And you see, the problem is we're sitting ducks. Because I'm just going to tell you like it is. Women, we are the hub of the wheel. We are the center of our families. If we don't understand how to get work from a place of rest, then our children are going to be in discord then our household is going to be in discord. Then our workplace is going to be stressful. we got to get this right. we got to reposition. That's what my book talks about, repositioning our lives by the living water. And I am a living example, and I'm not bragging here, but when my daughter called and said, can you help me with the baby, and I have to teach this morning, I said, oh, I have to teach. I don't know. I texted her back, and I said, it would be my pleasure. There's hundreds of women here that will hold that baby. We do what we have to do. And let me tell you something. We do it because we're refreshed, not stressed, at peace. That we generate from our spirit living water that flows and refreshes others. Are you a, a refreshing well for others to drink from? Or are you the rim of the tire that's broken and battered? Because you've forgotten to sit by the well. So we see Jesus is explaining, I only do what my dad does. Now how does he know it? Because he sits with his dad. He goes back to the source of life. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And they were together and together they operate. And God sends his son, fills his son, and the son sends his spirit so that we can live from a place of walking in the spirit being filled with life. 
We have something as a body to give this world that is at distress. Only to the degree that we have the window of our soul opened sitting by the streams of water. So we see, and I want you to go back and read in five. This is what he explains. It's only in the authority of my father that I do it. And only by his word. And only because I've been refreshed on the mountain. So what miracles are you not doing in your homes and workplaces? What miracles has God asked you to be like Andrew? Well, all I see is a few fishes and loaves here. You are part of the miracle when you trust in Christ to do it. And we'll get to that in a minute. So what we see here is we see that the Father sends Jesus on the mission impossible. And as we encounter him in each of these stories in the Gospel of John, we are seeing him declaring and actually professing both with acts and deeds that he is the son who has sat with his daddy. And that's who we are too. He came to, to earth to do all of these miracles, all of these wonderful things. But here's what he was doing. He was showing in the natural, yes, I can physically heal you. Yes, I can divide the miraculous. But the whole point of all of this is that I, Jesus, am the miracle. I am the water for the woman at the well. I am Jehovah Rapha who stitches and knits your heart together last week's lesson. I am the bread in the story for, for today. So John is constantly saying to us, don't look at just the stories on the surface. Amazing things that Jesus did. Dig deeper and see the deeper meaning. Because one day, every one of us will not be sitting in this room. We all have... Um, we all have something to look forward to, eternity. And so as we recognize that this is just a dress rehearsal for the rest of our lives, we need to acknowledge that the miracles are great and the physical healings are amazing and your child getting off of drugs is amazing and the things that we, we go through, all the miracles that we see stuck right alongside all the stresses are amazing, this life that we live. But what's important is eternity. He came to earth to show us the way. You see, when the guy got up off of his mat last week, he took his mat and he paid it forward. Every time we encounter Jesus, there should be a counterpart to an action step. Your place of anointing is the places where Jesus has healed and delivered you. Let's take a look at slide number two, John chapter 6. 1 through 15. I'm not going to read the whole thing. We'll run through some of it. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following. Why are the large crowd following him? Because they are thinking, this is cool stuff. Man, this, this guy's, hey, did you see? Did you hear? Did you touch him? Did you see all these amazing things? The woman with the issue of blood that's not in this, 12 years, she had had the, a menstrual cycle and he touches her, just the fringe. She grabs his coat, and she's healed. They're looking at him like he's a magician. Or is he just this incredible rabbi with these extraordinary gifts? You see, the crowd is following, not because he's giving them eternal life. They don't even understand that. They're following him because he's doing things for them. What's your story? Are you following Jesus for what he's doing for you? Or are you following him for the fact that he is the eternal life, the eternal one. 
So we see here the large crowds following their signs and wonders, and Jesus goes up to the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now we're back at the Passover, lifting up his eyes, seeing the large crowd coming toward him. Jesus says to Philip, where are we going to buy bread? Now do you think that Jesus didn't know what he was talking about? Do you think Jesus was really saying, where are we going to buy bread? Or do you think maybe Jesus, well, we know in the text, it says he was testing what is in man's heart. Listen, women of God, when God asks you a question, he's testing you to see what's in you. It's a beautiful thing. And so we need to understand that, um, that he is actually testing what's in his heart. He says to test him, oh, there it is right there, for he knew himself what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread. So Philip's like, okay, calculate, calculate, calculate. Do we not do that? We look and we go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's an impossible situation. Oh my gosh, I'm in the wilderness and my car's got a flat tire. Help, help, help. We look at the impossible. Jesus takes it and twists it to the possible. And so we see one of his disciples, Andrew. Now, I love Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He says, wait a minute. There's a possibility here. There's a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Are you Philip? Are you Andrew? Jesus asks these questions. He does that to us today. You know, he, may, he might be asking you, I, I see what you've got in your hand there. What are you going to do with it? And you go, oh, I don't have this gift, this little old gift. Oh, forget it. And God says, I'm going to turn that into the miraculous if you'll give it back to me. You see, he wants us to depend and learn on his spirit. And we see Jesus says, have the people sit down. Jesus was cool about all this. Just tell them, sit down, chill out. 5,000 people sit down in the countryside. What? He's like, just tell them, chill out, sit down. Well, we, got, we got this, we got this. Now there's much grass in the place, so they sat down. And the 5,000 in number, Jesus takes the loaves. And when he'd given thanks, he distributed them. And you know the rest of the story. The miraculous is, there was not just enough, there was what? More than enough. Twelve baskets, you can take that down. Are you Philip or are you Andrew? You see, Philip and the other disciples decided there's no way they could figure this thing out on their own. Andrew decided he would trust Jesus and say, well, we've got these few things in our hand. Who are you? Are you Andrew or are you Philip? There's three ways to look at this story. Um, one is it's an absolute miracle, and I'm going to tell you I land strongly there. This was the miraculous. Jesus took a small amount of bread and divided it. Other commentaries say it is a, a sacramental meal, which we do understand because we see that in the text that follows. And a third is, well, people wouldn't have gone for nine miles without food. They had food. And the miraculous was that stingy people shared the food. And the real miracle was turning selfish men and women into sharers, which is a story representing one which changed not loaves and fishes, but men and women. I suggest to you it's all three. They were changed for sure. How could you not be changed when you see a miracle like that? The question is, are you changed when you see a miracle? The life of the little baby brought in here, that, that my granddaughter made a decision not to keep this baby. I mean, y'all, there are miracles every day. It's a miracle of life. How about the miracle when someone you've been praying for forever and ever, the needle moves a little bit? Do you say, thank you, God, I had nothing to do with it? And so we see here, we see this, incredible contrast between Andrew and Philip. But I suggest to you that all three of these, all three of these are true. Number one, we see a sacrament. 
We see broken bread in the communion. We see Jesus says he's the bread. We do see people sharing. We see a sharing spirit going on. Everybody's eating. And we do see that people are transformed. You see, Philip looked through hopeless, tinted glasses. And Andrew looked through kingdom lenses. I laugh at this because my granddaughter, actually the one with the baby, I was saying to her, um, how you doing? And, you know, this is, I know how hard this is. How are you doing? And you know, this is real life, you all. I'm being transparent with you. It just sometimes stinks, right? It's hard. It's stressful. You know, what are people going to think? What do things look like? But this is life. And we have to be real with each other. And we have to take our masks off and say, you know what? Let me help you, sister. Let me help you do this. And so I'm talking to this little girl who chose life. And it's a, it's a hard thing as a single child. That's, you know, we, everybody can say you shouldn't, you ought not, you whatever, and I get all that. But here's the, here's the truth. The bottom line is she's done something very courageous through, through making a choice for life. And I tell you this, because in this conversation with you, I said, how you doing? She goes, I'm not doing that well. I said, well, tell me what's going on. And she shared it with me. I said, well, let's just think about this for a minute. And then she said, Yaya, I remember you said, put my kingdom lenses on. At 19 years old, I'm looking at her and I'm saying, if I only taught her one thing to have the perspective that Andrew had, I only have this much, this little boy only has this, God, do something with my little. Not, let me calculate, what can I do? How can I make it happen? How can I control the situation? It isn't in your control, sisters. It's in his. And we all have messy lives, and we need to share those lives, and we need to help one another. I want us to compare very quickly the man by the pool of Bethesda with the Samaritan woman with the hungry multitudes. Every God encounter we have been seeing. Let's look at it, because I think it's very interesting. The Samaritan woman saw her situation with tinted glasses that were hopeless. The Samaritan woman was stressful, we assume, stressed, ostracized, having to get her water at the heat of the day, at the noon of the day, no friends, destitute, no apparent way out. Jesus, however, saw this as an opportunity to give her living water. The man at the pool of Bethesda, 38 years, isolated, dependent on others, how miserable, perhaps depressed, physically impaired, hopeless. Jesus saw that as an opportunity to show him the healing power and boundless love and compassion of God. Now today, the 5,000 hungry people by the Sea of Galilee, stressed, hungry, tired, thirsty, long journey, Jesus sees the opportunity to reveal himself as the bread of life. He sees your stress, women. He sees your needs. He sees the opportunity to reveal himself. Put your kingdom lenses on. Do it right now. Stick all those lenses on. Come on, do it. Now that is perspective. Take your circumstances and ask the Lord that first slide, the window of your soul. Ask him to open up those windows that you might see what is stressful, what is hard. Y'all look so funny. Do that again. That is, now turn around and look at each other. Isn't that hilarious? Remember, when you see each other, bing, do it. Because here, that's a visual. Picture's worth a thousand words. That window that you saw on the first slide is the only thing I want you to remember in the whole story. God opened my eyes. 
God, let me see these, not just as good little cute stories, fun stories, powerful stories, but let them see, let me see them as God encounters. And let me take these little things that I have and give them to you. And that everything I have will be transformed into the miraculous. He sees your stress, he sees your needs, and he uses these things as opportunities to reveal himself. To open and reveal the window of your soul. James, in the book of James, says, don't despise the trials as if there's some foreign things happening to you. And they go, God, you've forgotten me. God, where are you? And I mean, we all do it. I do it. But it's a God opportunity. Every single one of these, Jesus shows up like this. And it's transforming. Who doesn't want to be transformed? I do. I don't like the way I am sometimes. The other day, my husband asked me, what was it? Oh, I I said to him, I'm going to be so together when I get to heaven. And he looked at me and he said, you mean I've wasted all of these years with you while you're (laughs) trying to get it together and I have to wait until we're in heaven to see you kind of like, you know, on track here? Huh? Y'all don't have funny husbands like I do. Let's see the next slide. This is my little granddaughter, Anna Parker, and if you read my blog, y'all subscribe to the blog because there's a lot of things that segue into these teachings. You don't want to miss them. And you can also share my blog along with other people in other cities. That way they can participate with this as well. So what we see here is this is a Hatchimal. And little Hatchimal, that was her birthday present. She's looking at it like, what do I have in my hand? Now, you all, I'm going to make you do something else. I hate it when speakers do this. I hate it. I can't believe I'm making you do this. Okay, open your hands, girls. Here's what you got in your hand. Just take a moment. What is it? What is it that's impossible? What is it that's a pea in your hand? And you're thinking, ugh. What is it? What is it? it?" You may not know this minute. Whatever stress you have, whatever you think, uh, or maybe a gift that you go, "Mm, maybe not. Whatever it is, let's see it hatch. You can let your little hands down. So we see in this, You put an app on your phone, and you begin, it takes 25 minutes for the bird to hatch. And it begins, you have to stroke it like this the whole time. This is Jesus stroking your shell. My little birdie, you got something to give. My little birdie, what's inside of you? And you stroke it. I got so sick of stroking that bird. And tweet, 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 tweet is going on in there. And um, then all of a sudden, you see the eyes. And being the emotional creature I am, I burst out crying. (laughs) And Anna Parker, as if she wasn't scared enough with tweet, 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 the hatch, 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 her grandmother's, (gasps) here's why. I saw you and you and you and you watching. I saw you as a prophetic picture of the church that is trying to be released. And the world didn't stroke in us. The world is kicking us. And the world isn't saying you're beautiful and wonderful, but God is. He's saying you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That what you have in your little tiny hand is in the hand. It's miraculous. It can be multiplied. It can be divided to feed the 5,000. The world is saying, ah, you're not worth it. You're not worthwhile. But God sees this and he strokes the little egg until the thing hatches. And then the coolest part about it is the little eyes begin to, whatever happens in this little bird, if he's mad, they turn this angry red. And if he's um, sick, you have to throw it. So he he can throw up. His eyes turn like green. And so if you see green eyes, you don't want to be stroking it. You want to... uh, 
It's us. We get hatched. God hatches us. He releases us. But we're sick and we're dirty and we're mixed up. And we go, ah, now we're a bird. What are we going? What are we going to do? And the Lord says, do you think if I hatched you, I'm going to forsake you now? I'm with you. And I'm going to allow this to happen. And what in the world does this have to do with my talk? (laughs) Jesus sees what is on the inside. He wants to crack us open. He's the bread of life. He has broken bread for you. And he wants to break you. Ah, yes, he does. So that you can hatch and fly. The miraculous story is miraculous, powerful, amazing. God did this incredible thing through his son, Jesus. But the deeper story is that he stands up and he says, I am the bread of life. The deeper story is you guys are getting filled with the bread, but I am the bread of life standing here. And pretty soon I will be the one broken into a billion pieces on the cross. And he says to you, Because I died on the cross, you will hatch one day for eternity. And in the meantime, you'll live for me. Well, I'm getting close to where I have to stop. And I had lots of good stuff to say. Um, Let's take a look at the last slide and then we're going to end. Because I think this is important for us today. When we look back at the window in the first slide... The disciples saw the miracles that Jesus had done. The man at the pool of Bethesda, the official son is healed. The multiplication of food, walking on the sea, which by the way was amazing. And that's the story after this one. Go back and read it. But the biggest miracle of all was his ability to calm their fear. He came to them out on the water after the story. After he had multiplied the food, he got away. Do you think maybe Jesus was tired? When God gives us our call and our anointing and we pour out, he goes back and says, Daddy, fill me, fill me. And then he walks on the water to get to the disciples and the boats, you know, just doing all this. The miracle that we see in our lives, these miracles that we see, we're missing them. Jesus' mission is to set the captives free. He heals, yes. He delivers, yes. He does the miraculous, but we miss the biggest miracle, which is in the midst of our stress and turmoil and subsequent fear, he is our peace. He is the bread of life. His message is one of salvation. Not solely a miracle worker, though he works miracles. Not solely a healer, though he is Jehovah Rapha, the healer. Not solely the one who walks on the water, though he walked on water. He is the savior that gives eternal life. That's his mission. And they missed it. The bread of life stood up and he said, I am the Son of God. I am more than enough. And they missed it and were more like Philip and tried to figure out how they could get their needs met. Women of faith, it is time. For us to wake up, to rise up, and to grow up into our hatching time. Let's hatch for Jesus. And when you get out and your little eyes are green and red and messy and la la la. Maybe there's a little placenta still on you. Jesus rises up out of the ashes. And he takes that little birdie. 
And he says, fly, little birdie. You are mine. You're not forsaken. And you are beloved. I see the stress. I see see your needs. But will you trust me? Amen. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to know you more. We're hanging on every Oh 
Yes, you do. When you move, you move us to tears. And when you fall, we fall on our knees. And when you fall, we fall at your feet. And when you fall, we Seek your face. 